Welcome to the Possibility Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton, aka Possibility Man. We are committed to bringing you guests who strive to better people's lives and serve as a force for good in the world. Today we have Dr. Jack Pransky. He is a specialist in human transformation. He has conducted train the trainer workshops in many countries, including of course, the United States. He is an elite life coach retired. He is a leader in the prevention and recovery programs. He has authored six books, including Modelo, A Story of Hope for the Inner City and Beyond, Somebody Should Have Told Me, and Seduced by Consciousness. Dr. Pransky, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here, Stephen. Okay. And good to see you again. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> My pleasure. Look, I want to ask you, is it fair to say that you are interested in topics including spirituality, human transformation, and resilience? Is it a yes. fair? Okay. It's very fair. Right. Okay, good, good. So let me so was this something that you've always been interested in throughout your career? Or did you make a pivot from one way of working and being with people to another way of working and being with people? Uh both. <laughs> oh, okay. um, so uh, originally, I was, uh, I would say my first real work experience was as a VISTA volunteer. Oh. And I don't know if people are still, you know, are old enough to know about VISTA, but it stands for Volunteers in Service to America. And it was kind of like a domestic Peace Corps. Or you may have heard of AmeriCorps, you know, yes. that's kind, kind of like it was. But back in the old days, and I'm talking about the late 60s is when I get got into it. Um, and I got into it because I, I did not want to go to Vietnam, <laughs> is what it came down to. So um, when I got into it, it was a lot more of community organizing. So we were trained as community organizers. And I was assigned to an African-American community in um, Southern Illinois, Centralia, Illinois, actually. And um, I lived and worked there for a year. And uh, I didn't really know what I was doing, but <laughs> I, I started, I mean, th that place was, was pretty much a mess. All of the African-American people were kind of like stuffed into the Northeast section of town. And um, so we, you know, I, I, I knew that I had to hang out where the people hung out and in order to, uh, you know, make friends with, with them and uh, where the people hung out was in the taverns. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I didn't want to hang out in the taverns, but I had to hang out in the taverns, you know, but uh, so, so, you know, there were things like uh, kids were, uh, kids were getting into trouble because they had nowhere to go and nothing to do. And so I started working with a bunch of kids and then the adults got more interested and there were a lot of rundown, overcrowded housing situations and uh, uh, open sewer ditches and, oh you know, just bad things in the community and no street lights. And so we worked to, uh, you know, try to organize people to help make those things happen. Uh -huh. I and see. I don't, I don't know how. I mean, I, I actually went back and visited the community uh, ten years after, and uh, some of those things had actually happened, 
which okay. was a good thing. Fantastic. But, but you know, um, you asked about whether it has changed. And what I was doing then, I would say, is um, community work from the outside in. And uh, in, around 1991, I, my head got turned around and I switched to uh, community work from the inside out. Mm. That's interesting. Okay, I want to come back to that uh, community okay. development back then. Uh, but I mentioned a few of your books, and I want people to know what those books are about. So I mentioned um, somebody should have told me. Yes, yeah, actually, us, somebody should have told us. Told should have told us. Okay. Yeah. So what? What? Can you give us just a brief synopsis of what you tried to do in this book? Well, what I tried to do is is most people think that. Um, and I certainly thought so that, that, you know, something happens to us out there and whatever happened to us makes us feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, somebody does us wrong, we might get angry and, and you know, that all, but, uh, but I came to find out that um, that's not really the way it is at all. Oh. Like somebody does something to us and it comes into our own thinking and our own consciousness and it's our gift of this tremendous gift that we have of the power of thought mm. to come up with anything in that kind of a situation so we might come up with anger we might come up with depression we might come up with worry we might come up with bother you know we might come up with they don't know what they're talking about and it rolls off us like a water off a duck's back. Mm -hmm. Or we might look at them with compassion mm -hmm. or we might look at them with humility because you know we have done stuff like that ourselves. And you know, so this is this, this tremendous range of levels of consciousness, you could say, that we could think about any of those, any situation like that in that, tremendously wide variety of ways. And when we start looking in that direction, we realize that it's us, it's our responsibility. I'm not telling, I'm not saying that people get off the hook, mm -hmm. you know, when they do really bad things and stuff. I'm not talking about that at all. You know, if you do the crime, you pay. <laughs> but, but, um, but as far as our, what we give our power over to, you know, are we going to keep our power for ourselves or are we going to give it over to somebody else to make us feel angry or depressed or bothered or anything like that? Okay. And the other book, I'm not sure if it's your most recent book or not. Is it uh, Seduced by Consciousness? Is that your latest book or is there another? It's actually not my latest book. The, the, uh, you said I had six. I actually have 10. Whoa! <laughs> uh, um, seduced by consciousness is one of the latest ones, but I, I did put together a book called Hope for All, okay. which is uh, people whose lives have really been affected by um, by looking in this inside-out direction, hmm. and their lives, you know, were were completely changed around. And so it's my interviews with them about that. Okay. All right. So you've mentioned inside out a few times and yes. people would, would want to know what exactly is that? Can you, you know, help the uninitiated understand what inside out actually means? 
Okay, so um, I guess think the best way to do it is to contrast it with outside in. Okay. Um, and and my field is my field is or was the prevention of problem behaviors. Mm -hmm. So I was involved in alcohol and drug abuse prevention and delinquency prevention and child abuse prevention and teen suicide, teen preg pregnancy prevention, sexual abuse prevention, all those all those things. So. Um, what prevention from the outside in is, is it's like, if, if people get a certain kind of information and if they are taught certain skills and if they are helped to build supports for themselves and if they are in an environment that is supportive, healthy, for them, then they're going to be less likely to, well, then that's going to lead to the, the development of healthy self-perceptions. And then people are going to get a sense of self-worth and uh, so that they don't, uh, what's the word I want? You know, if you feel healthy, you don't, you just don't go. Yeah. You make better choices. Yeah, you make better choices. Make, that's right. That's a good way to put it. I like better choices. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, 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 prevention from the inside out completely turns that around. It's like we we begin with the knowing that everybody deep inside themselves, at their spiritual essence, is totally whole, healthy, and just. Uh, you know, the essence of who we are is peace, love, and wisdom. That's the essence of who we are. Now, when we help people point in that direction, point inside themselves to that direction so that they realize that's who they really are, and they realize the only way that they can not experience peace, love, and wisdom, for example, is if they think themselves away from it inadvertently. Wow. People realize, okay. and then when people realize that, they start developing more healthy self-perceptions, like, like uh, you know, feeling capable, important, and powerful in their lives. And then they, when they feel that way, they tend to affect the people that are closest to them in that way. So suddenly their um, like home environment gets healthier. And then when a critical mass of people in a community all kind of catch on to this, then they work to, to make the changes in the community that are destructive. Hmm. And so instead of starting from trying to change the destructive and going into the place inside where they make better choices, as you said, we go from with perfect health and all of those that process leads us to making the changes in our communities that we need to see. Mm -hmm. So are you saying, Jack, that, um, that it start, starts with a discovery that each individual, as they come into the world, are already as whole as they need to be? Is that what you're yes. telling me? Mm -hmm. Yes, I am. So, so what if, then they, you know, let's, let's face it. I mean, I mean, I know, not personally, but there's some stories of some pretty prominent people that had money, that had good looks, that had fame, fame, just in the last three months, who have taken their lives. 
So what, why is it that we don't know what you're telling us? Obviously, many of us don't know it. Well, um, because we uh, come into form. Mm. <laughs> so we are, you know, we're human beings. Human beings think. We have thoughts. We believe what people tell us, you know, and then we take that on as our own. And so we can um, take on a bunch of thinking that is completely unhelpful to us. And we're not often pointed in the direction of, of uh, who we really are at our spiritual essence. Okay, you know something, a, a friend of mine, some years ago, she knew nothing about what you're talking about, but she said it's difficult to go through life without getting dirty. So <laughs> uh, does it make any sense to you from, from what you're talking about? That's yes, I mean, life is a contact sport. You oh, know, it's, right. it's like where we're going to run into uh, all kinds of things that can be taken as difficulties. Um, but anything that comes up, you know, could be horrible things that happen. Like some people grow up in horrible circumstances where they're sexually abused or physically abused or emotionally abused, you know, horrible, horrible things. And people get, you know, innocently take on this, this thinking about themselves when that kind of happens that takes them off in unhealthy directions. Yeah. But I, I, but I had, I had uh, like two, two women in, in a training of mine who were severely, um, well, they were raped when, when they were um, teenagers. Now, one of them said to herself, this is like, oh, this is like the most horrible thing that could have happened to me. I'm damaged goods. It doesn't matter what I do now because nothing is worthwhile. And she ended up getting into a lot of problems in her life and lived a very unhealthy life. The other woman said, that was horrible, but I'm not gonna let it affect my life. And she ended up like really taking it as much in stride as it's possible to take that kind of thing. And she ended up living a healthy life. Now that's just thought. And it's, I'm not saying, what I'm not saying is that people have to go out of their way to think one or the other of those things. What I am saying is whichever one we do think, that's what we get in the form of an experience. Mm. So it's not what happens to us as much as what we make of what happens to us for ourselves and our lives that ends up creating the experience that we have. You know, I hear you. I, I hear you saying that, look, you know, some bad things do happen to people. Mm -hmm. You gave a couple of examples of two different people having, women having been raped. But then you said, well, wait a minute now, as bad as, as those things were, it's not the event that's determinative of how a person lives, in that case, her life. Yes, but, it's the but, experience of the event, and uh -huh. that experience happens from inside of us. Okay. I think the event itself is horrible, mm -hmm. but the experience of the event is something that people internalize. Mm -hmm. And that's what ends up affecting people more than the actual action. 
Okay, so I want to probe this a little more, Jack, so bear with me. So, I mean, there are some people who will hear this and say, okay, I've had a bad experience and I've learned to think this way. I've learned, I don't know how to change it. How yeah. can they make a course? Well, let me put it differently because they'll ask, is it possible for me to make a change in the path that I'm going? It's always possible because change happens with any new thought. You know, we get a new thought, which, you know, happens to us from insight, say we get a new insight and that can like turn us in a completely different direction. Like I've had people who have read the book, somebody should have told us, and their lives have completely turned around. Now that baffles me. You know, it's not the book. It's that they have had an insight. So they picked up something from reading that book that, that shifts them. It's like, oh, I can't see life anymore the way that I used to see it. Mm. I really know that it's my, it's, it's, I'm the one that has the power. Uh, I've been giving my power over to the outside world for my happiness or for my peace of mind or whatever it is. I don't have to do that anymore. I realize that it's me. Hmm. Okay. So um, that's just a broad question that I'm going to pin it down to a few specific things uh, because people will want to know about this. First qu the question is, are there any hopeless cases? Are there any exceptions to what you're talking about? No exceptions. So if a person then has lived with chronic depression, mm -hmm. let's say for 50 years, they just... They just don't okay. fell into something. Do you think that person can change? Absolutely. And the reason I say that is the first story in my book, somebody should have told us, is about someone who, I don't know if it was 50 years. I don't think she was that yeah. old then, but it was certainly at least probably 30. And, and she was, you know, so depressed. She was given um, depression medication by psychiatrists. And she had, like in the process of our talking together, she had a monster epiphany where she just, she just described, it was like she was wearing a helmet and, and the helmet was red and all of a sudden it turned around and the helmet was green. You know, I mean, that, that's the way she described what happened to her. And um, all of a sudden, she didn't feel the need to have depression medication anymore. She went to her psychiatrist. Psychiatrist said, I don't really believe this. But she said, no, this is, this is true. And so he eventually caught on to the fact that it was true. And she's not on depression medication anymore. Wow. So I know this, this can't. And I'm not saying it happens with everybody. Mm -hmm. The, the, it, it happens to the people who have that kind of a huge insight that shifts them. Mm. And an insight is just thought from a, like a different realm. It's from us, but who knows where it comes from. It comes through us, it's not of us. Okay, I wanna come back to insight in a moment, but let me give you another example. I mean, I know two guys, different, different worlds. In fact, different cultures, one from one culture to others from another culture, both nice guys. One guy is a, a skilled electrician, certified. And the other guy's college educated, grew up in a great family. In one case, drug abuse. 
The other case, alcohol, they're just not able to function. You know, you know, consistently, my question once again, is there hope for someone like those guys? Yeah, my latest book is called Hope for All. <laughs> I mean, I got to get that book. <laughs> if, if you if you read the the state that some of these people were in before their head got completely turned around about this stuff, you would have said, "There's no hope for these people." Absolutely hope, because all it takes, and I don't mean to minimize this. All it takes is a huge insight, and we don't, we cannot make insight happen. Mm -hmm. We have no idea how insight happens. We can't make insight happen in ourselves. All we know is that when our head clears, there's more of a chance of wisdom appearing. Mm. Okay, now you've mentioned insight. So, what is an insight? What is that? Um, I wish I knew. I mean, it's just, we've all had them. Mm -hmm. Some of them are really little. Some of them are huge. But it's almost like the way we've been thinking gets shifted completely by seeing something new that we didn't see before. Mm -hmm. So who knows how that happens? But we know that when the mind clears, it has a better chance of happening. When people's minds calm down, people's minds relax, you know, because otherwise, you know, we're like holding the kind of thinking around us that we, you know, usually are typical thinking. And as long as that's got a grip, it's really not easy for us to hear wisdom speaking to us, but it's always speaking to us. We just, you know, it's, I remember my cousin George was saying that it's like, um, you know, it's like uh, listening to a soft flute and you got like a brass band playing and you can't hear the flute. You know, the, our typical thinking is like the brass band, but when that thinking shuts down, shuts off for a split second, even mm -hmm. all of a sudden we can hear that flute playing. And that's the wisdom that's always speaking to us okay so you're saying that this is not something that a person can just turn on but are there conditions or situations that a person can put himself in to increase the likelihood that they may get an insight yeah what helps them everybody has to ask this of themselves what helps me relax my mind what what you know what and where, where am I or what am I doing when I get my best ideas? You know, people are going to say things like taking a walk in the shower when I'm waking up from, you know, waking up in the morning when I'm going to bed at night. I mean, you know, it's just whatever it is that, that relaxes people's minds, that's the direction to point in. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So, Jack, now some of the people, I'm going to talk about community development, but some of the people who see your name in the, the podcast title will want to know about, well, let me ask the question differently. Does the, does the name, the philosopher Sidney Banks, show up 
in the work that you have done and in your books? And if so, who is this person? Who was this person? <laughs> um, Sydney Banks is the man that blew my mind apart and got me pointed in the inside out direction. So there isn't anything that I do since 1991 when I bumped into him or 92 or something like that, that isn't a direct result of me having my own monster epiphany uh, about the way that my experience of life is created from the inside out instead of from the outside in. So that like, when I saw that, it just turned me around and I was disoriented for a while, really disoriented. But I eventually kind of caught up to myself and I've been looking in this direction ever since. Now, uh, because we're human, you know, we're, everybody, has, everybody has their own blind spots and, you know, there are places that I don't see it. And then all of a sudden I'll see it and I'll say, oh man, you know, but, you know, we get caught and then we see it. Mm -hmm. okay. um, so, so Sidney Banks, who happened to be just a person who was, he was just an ordinary laborer going about his business when, when he had a, a major um, enlightenment experience and out of nowhere. And it completely changed his life. And he started talking to people. A lot of people thought he was crazy who knew him before, you know, mm -hmm. suddenly to, you know, have somebody talking spiritual who never talked spiritual before, mm -hmm. you know, it's like out of nowhere. Okay. So, so um, yeah, that's the short answer to your, to your question. Okay. All right. So now I'm going to spend a little more time on community development. You mentioned that you had some experiences in community development before 1991. Yes. Okay. And, and, and once again, even before you met Sidney Banks and learned about Inside Out, was your approach in that community or those communities inside out or outside in you would you say well it's outside in mm -hmm. because you know we were taught as community organizers to um uh fan the flames of discontent mm -hmm. you know you could say you know we wanted to point people to the to the external conditions that were you know allegedly keeping them down um you know people who are, live in poverty where there's, you know, so much racism involved yeah. everywhere. And, you know, it's like, yeah, these things uh, can weigh upon people. Yeah. So, the, the, you know, there's that thought that, well, we have to change the conditions first. Mm -hmm. Well, I used to think that, you know, I used to believe that 100% until I bumped into a guy named Roger Mills, oh. who had been trained by, not trained, who had had a, a, a huge insight from experiencing Sydney Banks. And he went into this community, these two low-income inner city communities near uh, Miami. And he um, completely turned these communities around so much that I was, immediately suspicious <laughs> because I had just spent 
three years of my life writing this book about the field of prevention and community work from the outside in. And he was talking about doing everything backwards. Oh. But he brought with him a couple of the women from the housing project who spoke. And when I heard them speak, it just did something to my being because I could tell that these women would never turn back to the way they were before. And I'm talking about one of those women was uh, like being, was a really severe alcoholic, being beaten by her boyfriend on crack, was in turn beating her kids. And she got her life completely turned around just from looking in this inside direction. And um, you could just tell she'd never go back to that life. Mm. You mentioned Dr. Roger Mills, and of course I have your book and I, he appears in your book, Dr. Roger Mills. Um, and so, the community that one community worked with was called Modelo. Yes. Can you can you you know can you kind of rehearse just briefly what Modelo was like before Roger Mills's work, and then what Modelo became after Marge Roger Mills worked with them? Could you help us? Yeah, it was one of the worst housing projects in the country. You know, in in you know you had everything that that uh, these. Um, ridiculous places that people are stuffed into, you know, with all these problems together, they just um, exacerbate, they bring out the worst in people. Mm -hmm. At least that's the way it looks on the surface, you know? So, um, you know, it, crime, tremendous, uh, different gangs having gang wars, you know, about, you know, everybody had a different corner. They were all selling drugs on different corners. And so there were rival gangs doing that. It was tough for people to go out to their, to the clotheslines to hang clothes on the line because um, for fear of getting shot randomly. Um, pizza delivery wouldn't even come into the place. The cops wouldn't come into the place unless they were two or three deep and, you know, came in like gangbusters and stuff because you know it's just a total place of total fear people doing the best that they could with what they've got but you know just uh a miserable place to be generally i see and, and uh, mm -hmm. go, go, no, go ahead no no well mm -hmm. i was going to say that um so roger mills goes in there and um he starts um hanging out he comes in on the, the coattails of uh, the woman who was the attorney general at the time, Janet Reno, who became attorney general of the United States for a while. Um, so she was she was doing this project where she assigned somebody to to go into Modelo and try to do all of the good things that that outside in people would do like they set up a, a community store because there was nothing there before uh, they set up a, a child care center that people could afford you know they they had all kinds of different services come in to the area and um, you know that made a little bit of improvement but roger mills comes in and says you know you can you can um yes i, I remember uh 
who was it, Dick Gregory, I think it was, mm. a long time ago, said something about when the Kerner Commission about violence in, in these uh, inner city communities mm. came out a long time ago, it said it's certain you need a certain billions of dollars in order to be put into that community. So Dick Gregory says, you you put a billion dollars into that community and you're going to get the biggest crap game you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> <laughs> because people's minds are not geared to um doing the constructive things with it you know that will make the place healthy mm -hmm. and so what is that that's thought that's thought and um people have to be like look in the direction of health they helped they their own health and the community's health what will make me healthy what will make the community healthy what will make my relationships healthy what will make my family healthy you know and so Roger Mills spent his time pointing people in that direction. I have to plug in my computer here. I'm going to lose okay. my battery here. Right. One second. Sure. Um, and um, at first, nobody wanted to hear a word he said. Mm -hmm. So they, you know how people are. They sure people are very clever about trying to get rid of you. So they did everything that they could to get rid of this guy because they thought he was crazy. And um, he wouldn't leave. <laughs> and then little by little, people just started opening up and listening. I mean, he and his, his staff, he was working with two other people, one from the community. And they used to, you know, throw parties for people. They used to feed people. You know, it was all with the intention of getting people's minds to relax. Wow. You know, you know, I hope some people, I hope people look, if they don't know, you know, I hope people look up Roger Mills and look for pictures of Roger Mills. And then, you know, just he just an average looking guy, uh, mm -hmm. not, not even a big guy, not an intimate guy. Then he was in this community of mostly black people or all black people. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So that dynamic itself is something worth worth considering but let me share this with you or ask you um because i think roger mills tells me about what it means to network and work in a organize in a community and i got this from your book the what the first thing he did seemingly was get to know people that is yeah. he didn't go in as if you know he was the guy but he just got to know people talk to people Yes. And I want you to respond to this and, and just kind of evaluate this for me as a, a, a way community organizers can proceed in their work. The second thing he seemed to have done, and this could be out of order, was to find leaders. And I'm going to add to leave as change agents, that is people who could work when he's gone. That's true. Okay. Now, now I, I want to say, though, both okay. of those things are what community organizers are taught also. I see. So this is before Roger Mills. This is just the approach of community organizers you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, because Roger Mills was trained as a community organizer himself. Oh, I before. see. Okay. 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 But okay. but the, so either way, 
Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the first thing you do, whether you're starting inside out or outside in. Okay. You do the same thing there. Okay, I got you. Okay, yeah. so why why did one Modelo change? You, you describe, and this is this is pretty scary in this book, what you described here about Modelo before that work. Why did it change? Is it the inside out organization or was something else at work there? I mean, someone would say, well, God decided to change Modelo. You know, I don't know. So, so what, what changed well, Modelo? If, if, if God decided to change Modelo, uh, he did it through <laughs> Roger Mills. I would say that the, the, first of all, Roger Mills went in with his health intact. Okay. That's hugely important because when all those people were trying to get rid of them, yeah. it flowed off them like water off a duck's back. To him, it was like, of course, of course, given the circumstances that they're in, they're going to make make me want to get out of here. You know, of course, they're going to treat me badly. That's that's, you know, the way they're they're They've been used to being, you know, Mm. in their lives. Of course, it's got nothing to do with me. So he didn't take it personally. Mm. And he stayed in his health. Nobody could knock him off, of course. And um, then he started to to do those things that I was mentioning, to have fun with people. Mm -hmm. You have fun with people. And then people's, like, they're... they're, um, what they're holding in their mind tends to loosen its grip. You know, suddenly they're more receptive than they were before. Right. And then the main thing that he did is deeply, deeply listen to people. Mm. And I don't mean just on the surface listening, like what do people want? You know, there's, there's you know, in community organizing, you ask people what they would like, mm. but it's beyond that. You ask people that here too, but you go a lot deeper, like what actually is their thinking that is keeping them stuck? Mm -hmm. You listen at that level. Do they know that they have this inner inner innate health in them um, that they can tap? Mm -hmm. uh, That is where their power comes from. Do they understand that? What are they missing? You know, and like, what is going on within them so that they, so that they um, have put themselves in positions where they're beaten, being beaten by boyfriends on crack, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, so you just listen really, really deeply until something strikes you that might make a difference. Wow. Wow. Um, Jack, uh, is this level of community change sustainable well um yes but um in Modelo, <laughs> hurricane andrew, i was just about to go down and interview the people when i saw hurricane andrew coming mm-hmm. and uh it went hurricane andrew the eye of the hurricane went right over Modelo, and it blew the housing project apart and half the people were put in makeshift trailer park across the street. Half the people moved out to relatives and stuff like that. More people moved in. You couldn't really, I mean, it was just completely blown apart at that point, And you couldn't really tell whether it was sustainable. However, 
the people whose lives had been most affected by uh, having insights as a, as a result of Roger Mills being there, they were the ones who were like, everybody was in despair after Hurricane Andrew and they were the ones that were there, like their families were pretty much intact. They were helping other people out and they still had a, a good spirit about them. Mm. So sustainable in that way, yes. Sustainable about a community, yeah. I think so. Um, but in Modelo, we could never really know that. I see. And, and the subtitle of the book on Modelo, about Modelo, is A Story of Hope for the Inner City and Beyond. What yeah. is this hope that you're pointing to that's for the inner city? Because you know, we are, I'm in the, we're living in the beyond. What is this hope that you're pointing to? Well, to me, hope comes from two places. Okay. If we do have this spiritual essence in us that is totally whole, that it, it is, that has the qualities of peace, love, and it's like the incubator, incubator when our mind is clear to have wisdom, thoughts of wisdom come to us from insight, from new insight. If that all is in us, and nothing can stomp it out. People just who haven't been looking in that direction and don't know that it's there can be helped to see that it's there. And that's automatic hope for anybody. That it is there and people can see it. That's what automatic hope is. Mm -hmm. And the second part of automatic hope is that thoughts change. Yeah. Thinking changes and it changes on its own. We don't have to go out of our way to think new thoughts. In fact, that just gets in our way. But, you know, we don't see situations the same way now that we did 20 years ago or 10 years ago, you know, for the most part. Well, what happened? Well, thinking changed about them. Mm. Some say it was time, but it's not, I mean, it's not time because some people don't change their thinking wow. you know so um it's that thought changes we get new insights thought changes and that can happen just like that it can happen in the next moment that's automatic hope okay i, I hate to try to talk about a practice but what's coming to me is that just listening to you so if a person is let's call it bogged down by a set of thoughts that causes depression all kinds of things yeah. Um, so is it reasonable for them to ask if they can, what am I thinking? Or is the alternative is just to go someplace and be quiet until it passes? I'm just trying to figure out what do you do when you're, when you're in the midst of it? Well, I'll tell you what I do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm not saying this is for anybody else, but what I do is I, I want to, I know that my own thinking has gotten me into the predicament that I'm in okay so so um, there's no answers there I know that there are no answers in trying to think my way out of it mm -hmm. so what I want what I would do is is I ask the universe or God or whatever I say I would really like to see my way through this you know I, I'm not sure like what's behind my getting stuck here i'd like to see i'd like to see that 
And then I take it off my mind and forget about it. So I'm, it's like I'm setting the intention to um, be pointed in that direction. And then I go about my business. And then when my head clears, something comes to me about it. You know, I get a new insight about it or something. Mm -hmm. So that's the way. And I'll tell you, when I, when I started doing that, instead of my other way of doing it, which is trying to figure it out or getting, you know, get to the bottom of it and all that stuff, my, my stress level, like, it just went like that. You know, it just really dropped. Mm, that's pretty good. Okay, yeah. just, just last thing, and I just want to touch on a few controversial things. Um, inside Out applied to leaders of nations. You know, we got Russia and we got Ukraine. How, how can this be applied? How can they apply Inside Out that might resolve the tension between those two, you know, leaders of those nations? Well, one, one thing we can say before is if their thinking doesn't change, they are not going to change their actions. Um, how, you know, how would one change Putin's thinking? Yeah, I got I mean, you. Come on. Right. I mean, he's got, he's got like, he's, he's, there's this megalomaniac kind of uh, thinking that he has about him. Now, he's very likely not going to change that unless he really gets, um, unless something really happens where he has, he has no choice but to face himself. Mm. Okay. You know, I'm trying to help someone escape from Russia right now. Oh. Who wants to get out. Okay. Mm. That's she, was, she was the one who, who translated, uh, somebody should have told us, into Russian. Mm. And um, she wants out bad. I even was able to... Um, find a job for her here but she can't get a visa mm. the only place she can get a visa is from the u.s embassy the u.s embassy is no longer in russia okay. she actually has to leave the you know but i'm digressing here so yeah, yeah. but, but, but like, what i get you say though is that um uh, you know one is a person can desire to make a change to make a shift or there could just be some intervention by divinity, whatever, you know, that yes. causes this person, oh, wait a minute, what am I doing? Okay, yeah. the second thing, the second thing, controversial, and I don't do a lot of controversial stuff, but I'll ask you, you know, some people that I've been around from various backgrounds frequently bring up racism. So how do we, in the United States, for my friends in other land, well, you know, people have ethnic rivalry all over the place, how do we resolve that type of problem from a with an inside out understanding? Yeah, boy, that's, um, you know, that's a really, really tough question. And, you know, from my own perspective, I mean, I'm just one of those white privilege kind of people, you know, <laughs> so, so there's only a certain amount that I can experience from your position, for example. However, what I know deep, deep, deep inside is that we are all the same. We are all the same. We all have um, this spiritual essence in us. This is the color of our skin is just form. Culture is just thought. You know, it's like, it's a collective thought. And um, everybody 
gets caught up in their thinking and sees things in skewed ways sometimes that don't make any sense and people like take power over other people and mm -hmm. do very, very extremely destructive things. And racism is built into all these institutions and, you know, so, but it's all institutions are made up of people. Um, yeah, there's a culture that has happened over all these years, but people have the capacity to change the way they see things. Like he, I, I, was, uh, I was in a relationship with an African-American woman for uh, five years and she turned me around to this, to the notion of like white privilege and what it means and everything. Even though I lived and worked in an in a African-American community before, I, I didn't really like relate to that. And so I, she turned my head around about it. And this can happen with anybody. You know, all of us can get our heads turned around about it. Mm -hmm. But it, it's going to take, a, it, it's going to take systematic kind of work. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, Jack, we are coming to the end, uh, but I want to ask, are there any last words that you want to leave with us? Um, read Modelo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and the reason I say I'm not saying that, be, you know, I'm not saying that for, for self-serving purposes. Mm -hmm. I really, really believe that, you know, you can see hope the way that he went about it. It's, it, it promotes hope the way that he went about it. And there's so much, I mean, if, if the world adopted this as an approach, I, I think we would all be in much, much, much better shape. That's fantastic. Well, thank you again for being with us today. My pleasure. You have been listening to the Possibility Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton. Our guest today has been Dr. Jack Pransky, coach, writer, and community organizer. Until next time, good day.